This is the Formula Bone F1 show. I'm Jared Borislow, but you can call me J-Bone. We are here to recap the 2022 Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. J-Bone! On my Imola preview podcast, I gave you all four storylines to follow throughout the race weekend. Let's see how those shaped up. The first storyline was all about the return of F1 Sprint. The Imola Sprint race on Saturday was arguably more exciting than the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix itself, with Friday qualifying winner Max Verstappen overtaking Charles Leclerc for P1 on the second-to-last lap after he initially handed the Monegasque the race lead on the first lap of the sprint race due to a gear sync issue at lights out for Max. However, one huge issue that a lot of F1 media has been discussing ever since the sprint race ended is that the sprint race just ended up resetting what would have otherwise been an amazing Grand Prix starting grid. Just a true, absolute, unbelievable starting grid we would have had if they had used qualifying to set the Grand Prix starting grid and not the sprint race. Friday qualifying was something else, featuring cool weather, a lot of rain, and an F1 qualifying record five red flags. Five. Previous record was four, I believe held by three other qualifyings. But this one stands alone at five. Because of the crazy weather conditions, the top 10 after qualifying was what most F1 fans would consider absolutely incredible. Okay, P1 through P5 were all different constructors with seven of Formula One's 10 teams being represented in the top 10 after qualifying. That is insane. That is not common. And I personally would have absolutely killed to have seen the qualifying classification be the starting grid for the Grand Prix due to the sheer chaos potential that it presented for all of us. But unfortunately, the sprint race determines the starting grid and not qualification under the current F1 Sprint Weekend rules. And that gives all the top teams 21 laps at Imola to make up for qualifying errors, which happened. After the sprint race, P1 through P5 was made up of just three constructors, instead of five, and only six Formula One teams were represented in the top 10 instead of seven. A potential fix here is to hold the F1 Sprint on Saturday as a standalone event that does not determine the Grand Prix starting grid, with the F1 Sprint grid being determined by either reverse grid qualifying, so P20 and qualifying starts in pole position for the sprint race, or a crazy idea that I love is that all sprint races, grids, will be determined by reverse grid World Drivers Championship standings, so the last place driver in the World Drivers Championship would start the sprint race in P1. That would make the sprint race amazing, in my opinion. As a note, I omitted regular qualifying from determining the F1 sprint grid here in this scenario, because it would make no sense to have the sprint race have the exact same grid as the next day's Grand Prix, that would make the sprint race just a mini race and totally redundant and nowhere near as much of a spectacle as the whole point of F1 sprint is, right? So the second storyline was about whether or not Ferrari would continue their 2022 dominance at Imola. 
And oh boy, they absolutely did not do that at Imola. For the first time all season, and in front of their home fans, Ferrari did not podium. The podium ended up, of course, being a Red Bull 1-2, with Max taking a commanding P1, Checo taking P2, and Lando Norris taking a miraculous P3 and saying, why, yay, 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 or something to that effect uh, in what can only be described as a massive moment of ecstasy for both Lando and all McLaren fans around the world. What a miraculous improvement McLaren have made since that horrible day in Bahrain not too long ago. They have proven to the world with this result that they are legitimate best of the rest contenders this season after having all of us thinking they might somehow be battling for worst of the worst to start the season. Well done, McLaren. I never doubted you. I totally doubted you. I did, but I don't anymore. If you're like me, you absolutely screamed and almost wet yourself, or maybe you did wet yourself, watching the broadcast as we were all on board with Charles Leclerc for his spin and bin at Variante Alta that saw what had the potential to be 19 points from a P2 with fastest lap for Leclerc disintegrate into just eight points from a P6 without fastest lap in an instant. Kudos for once to the broadcast team here. I feel like usually I'm yelling at the broadcast team to show the action that I want and not some boring Max or Lewis moment, but they got this one right. Absolutely right. Giving us the onboard cam that made me feel like I was Charles Leclerc disappointing all of Italy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Leclerc, for that one. And of course, you have Carlos Sainz, who, as I've said many times, has the yips. He's got the yips. Carlos Sainz didn't even complete one lap at Imola before beaching it in the gravel. Not even one lap. Now, people keep coming at me saying, oh, J-Bone, Ricardo slammed into him. How is that Carlos's fault? To them, I say this. Carlos's yips caused his crash in qualifying and his bad race start that both worked together to put him in such a position that Danny ended up alongside him at turn two. And since the stewards deemed that a racing incident, the collision between Danny and Carlos, they deemed that a racing incident and not Ricardo's fault. The transitive yips property states that the yips caused Carlos's Imola DNF. Now, am I only saying that to justify my unmoving position that Carlos has the yips? I don't think so, but you might. And that's fine. He's got the yips though. You can't deny it. This is back-to-back -back beachings for Signs, who clearly has been listening to too much Jimmy Buffett with all this beach on his mind. This home Grand Prix for Ferrari was not as bad as Mercedes's nightmare German Grand Prix in 2019, but it's definitely up there as far as bad home Grand Prix for top teams are concerned. The final storyline was about whether or not the weather would affect the race at Imola. And it definitely did. The weather is what caused the absurd and delicious, if you ask me, qualifying classification that was eventually ruined 
by the sprint race. And more importantly, it caused or was a contributing factor in a number of things in the Grand Prix, including the Sainz-Ricardo collision, all the rest of the lap one shenanigans, and the corner at Variante Alta being cut by a large number of drivers. The weather had no greater impact on the race, though, than it causing DRS to be disabled until over halfway through the race, despite the fact that all drivers were on slicks and there was a dry racing line. This decision, or lack thereof, by race control is said to have played a huge role in Leclerc's inability to really challenge Checo on his second tire stint, as well as in leading to the DRS train that Lewis Hamilton was stuck in that led to him having one of the worst races of his career, certainly of his modern career. Just an unbelievable, oh my, I don't even want to mention Lewis Hamilton right now to match how he was not mentioned at all during the broadcast, minus the Akon uh, pit lane fiasco. Man, what a bad day for Lewis. So, like I said, race control until like halfway through the race, over halfway through the race, said no DRS. There are a lot of takes being thrown around here, but one notable one is that Sebastian Vettel said it was the right call to delay DRS enabling given the track conditions since the non-dry line DRS users would have to use to overtake was not dry enough to ensure driver safety. I should note that Vettel benefited from the lack of DRS on his way to his first points of the season, but I really don't think that fact is making him biased here in saying what he said, considering he's a huge driver safety advocate. I don't think he'd go after the race especially and be like, oh yeah, no, it's totally fine just because it held him out. I think he actually thought it was dangerous. We saw, you know, in wet conditions with DRS last year, the whole big Russell Bottas crash where George Russell slapped that man on the head and then Bottas returned with the middle finger. Uh, I think they had that on the brain as part of their whole like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have DRS yet decision-making. But yeah, there's a lot of takes there. Drop your uh, take on whether or not DRS should have been enabled sooner in the YouTube comments or on DM me on Twitter or tweet it at me or just throw it at me anywhere you want. I'll check it out. Maybe I'll respond to it. If it's on YouTube, I will respond to it because I respond to pretty much every YouTube comment. Try me out if you don't believe it. Now let's discuss some additional storylines that have not been covered yet and that won't be covered uh, by way of the upcoming listener voicemails. First up, the cooldown room is back, baby. The cooldown room is a small room where the Grand Prix podium finishers rest between the Grand Prix and the podium ceremony. This typically involves the three drivers drinking water and discussing the race with each other in a very informal and unfiltered way. It's very reality TV show-esque. It's unlike anything else we really get in Formula One in terms of what's actually broadcast. Now we get it from the teams, you know, on their social media, kind of behind the scenes stuff, but it's definitely the most behind the scenes thing that we can get on the broadcast. And we're getting it on the broadcast again. Until the 2020 season, race fans used to be privy to these enlightening, interesting, and sometimes hilarious or even dramatic interactions between the race's top performers. But when the world changed in 2020, it was briefly lost to time. Well, 
The cooldown room is back. And it's edge of your seat entertainment, despite just being three out of breath dudes sitting in a room talking to each other, which I realize is kind of the setup of most of the most popular podcasts nowadays as well, isn't it? If you really think about it. In this race's cooldown room, the major topics of discussion were Max being overweight and LeClaire's spin and bin. Uh, I highly recommend you go to YouTube, check out the a re-airing of it. Check out, it's not very long, doesn't take very long to watch, but go and check it out if you did not catch it in the broadcast. It is super, super interesting and really gets you a nice behind the scenes look at what the drivers are like right after the race and right before the podium ceremony. It's very, very cool. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention how Max Verstappen just had one of the most dominant race weekends of all time at Imola. Max secured his second ever Grand Slam at Imola and then some. Not only did Max accomplish the Grand Slam or Grand Chelem, as some like to call it, feats of being on pole, getting fastest lap in the Grand Prix, leading every lap of the Grand Prix, and winning the Grand Prix, but he also won the Saturday sprint race to boot. Max didn't lead every sprint lap or get fastest lap in sprint, which would have been very tight and required us all to make up a name for a Grand Slam that included both the Grand Prix and sprint events. I've seen some people on Reddit it call Reddit calling it, not Redditing calling it, Reddit calling it a perfect weekend, which I think makes sense because it literally would be a perfect weekend. This is the second Grand Prix weekend in a row that featured a driver securing a Grand Slam with Leclerc getting his first ever Grand Slam in Australia. And it's the first time ever that two different constructors have won a Grand Slam in back-to-back race weekends. A final Max Verstappen note, Max has won every single race this season that he's been able to finish. What a winner when he's not a loser. Do you know what's always a winner and never a loser? This episode's sponsor, NordVPN, who is here to drastically enhance your web browsing experience and data security. No one likes to be watched or tracked, even if they have nothing to hide. That's why it's important you step up your privacy game whenever possible. If you aren't using a VPN right now, you're currently open to having your internet data creeped on in a big way. VPN, by the way, stands for Virtual Private Network and is a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online. It creates an encrypted tunnel for your data, protects your online identity by hiding your IP address, allows you to use public Wi-Fi hotspots safely, and more. VPNs are the only way to be sure that your real location and IP address are hidden, your online data is encrypted, and your browsing history is invisible to your internet service provider and to other third parties. Everybody who cares about their privacy should be using a VPN right now, and NordVPN is the best and fastest VPN provider in the game. NordVPN is software, not hardware, and it is super easy to use across every major platform. Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, and Linux, even your Android TV supports NordVPN. You can connect with just one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. I personally love NordVPN because if you travel abroad, let's say 
to go attend a Formula One race, you can make sure you still have access to your favorite shows from your home country on location-based streamers like Netflix using NordVPN. Grab your exclusive Formula Bone F1 show NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com bone to get a huge discount on your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. And this deal is completely risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose except a sense of insecurity. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to NordVPN for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Of course, I need to now check in with you all regarding how my pre-race weekend top five finishers prediction for Imola played out. And oh my God, what a bloodbath. Oh God, oh God, no. Oh, I did so bad. I did so bad. My prediction was Charles Leclerc, P1, Max, P2, Checo, P3, Carlos, P4, Lewis, P5. Clearly, I did awful, getting only two of the top five correct, with neither of their positions correct. Boo this man! Boo J-Bone! I welcome you to boo me. I deserve it. The actual top five, of course, was P1 Max, P2 Checo, P3 Lando, P4 Russell, P5 Boltus. Once more, I've come up with a list of excuses why I was wrong, from which you may select your favorite one. Two of these excuses are the same as from after the Australian Grand Prix, those being Carlos beached it and McLaren have been sandbagging. They both still work. As for the rest of my excuses, they are as follows. Lewis didn't even participate in the race, or if he did, I didn't hear anything about it. Russell disobeyed team orders by not finishing behind Lewis. Uh, Bottas also disobeyed team orders by not finishing behind Lewis. And of course, last but not least, I just suck at these predictions. But it's not going to stop me. Get ready, because I'm doing them for Miami next time too. Next up, it is time to respond to some Imola-themed voicemails left by Formula Bone F1 show listeners, like you. If you're new to the Formula Bone F1 show, welcome. After every race this season, I do one of these race recap podcasts, and a large part of them is me responding to some of the voicemails left by Formula Bone F1 show listeners on the Bone phone, 1-833-200-0966. So during or after each race... Whenever you have an interesting thought, hot take, complaint, or anything else like that, make sure to give the bone phone a ring for a chance at your call being played on the podcast. Add it to your freaking speed dials, folks. Put it in your phone's contacts. The number again is 1-833-200-0966. It's also in the description of every episode of the Formula Bone F1 show. If you call in but don't end up having your call played, it does not mean it was a bad call. I just don't have time to get to every call each week, so just keep on calling in, and I promise you'll get on eventually. Without further ado, here's your first call. Hey, Jimbo. Sebastian Connor from Chicago. I really think seeing Mercedes' performance, especially with uh, between George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, I definitely do see this as Hamilton's last year if Mercedes doesn't pick it up for him. I honestly believe that he'll retire. I'll bet all my money on it that if Mercedes doesn't get their thing together with him, it's going to be it. Okay. 
I get what you're saying, but I 100% do not see Lewis Hamilton going out a loser when he is still in his prime. This season is supposed to be Lewis's revenge year. He pretty much said so himself. And you cannot say that and then retire after the season does not go your way. That's certainly not something I see Lewis Hamilton, one of the greatest sportsmen of all time, doing. Now, I think Mercedes are going to turn things around sooner than we all think. After all, George looks fine right now, minus the porpoising that is apparently ravaging his body. And Mercedes just won eight Constructors' Championships in a row. So, yeah, a bad season start in a new era with a drastically different car design from all the other teams means nothing in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion. Sure, Lewis stinks right now, out loud even, but he could end up going on another World Drivers' Championship winning streak starting next season. For all we know, heck, it could start this season. He is currently only 7th, In the World Drivers' Championship, only 58 points behind the leader with like a billion points still on the table this season. Okay? I'll make a deal with you, caller. If Lewis retires after this season, I will send you one of every piece of Formula Bone merch available right now on bullandmedia.com slash shop. But if he doesn't, you need to buy just one piece of Formula Bone merch available right now on bullandmedia.com slash shop. That's a good deal. And you should take it, especially considering my merch is awesome. And whether you win or lose, caller, you will get a piece of it. At least one. Do it. I dare you. Next call. What's good, J-Bone? This is Todd Benson from good old Muncie, Indiana. First time, long time. And I just had a question for you. Uh, So when it comes to team performances at Emola, who do you think were the biggest winners and losers from this race weekend? So you had a team like Red Bull, who had a dominant performance on Sunday to take a, a one-two finish. And then you had a team like Ashton Martin, who you now secured their first points of the season and also got double points in this race as well. And then you had a team like Ferrari, who imagine they wanted a uh, much better performance at their home GP with Carlos Sainz getting out early and Charles Leclerc only finishing P6. And then you had a team like Mercedes who, no, I'm sure they wish they had a better race weekend too. They, they struggled all weekend in the in qualifying and the sprint and even on Sunday. And it was only salvaged by George Russell getting a P4. So love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. If I had to pick just one winner and one loser from Imola, you might think Red Bull would be the obvious choice for my winner, considering Max's Grand Slam and the Red Bull 1-2, which was somehow only the second 1-2 for Red Bull in the hybrid era, the other one coming back in 2016 in Malaysia. I feel like they would have had more, but apparently not. However, my winner is actually Aston Martin with their remarkable double points finish of Vettel in P8 and Lance Stroll bringing it home in P10, just one race after looking absolutely hopeless in Australia and after undergoing a pretty rough and pointsless two races before that, maybe all hope is not lost and a double points finish is certainly indicative of that, okay? With Aston Martin scoring points at Imola, now every single F1 team has secured at least one 
points finish this season. And we're only four races into the season. Formula Bone Discord mod Ryan asked me on Twitter, when was the last time all the teams have scored points in four races? After researching for like half an hour, I discovered that this is the first time since the Constructors' Championship began in 1958 that every Formula One team has scored at least one point through the first four races of the season. The closest season I found was all the way back in 1981, where 13 of the 17 teams in the Constructors' Championship had scored points after four races, which has made all the more impressive because only the top six finishers scored points back then. That's an even more impressively spread out season start, in my opinion, but it's not a perfect season start in terms of all the teams scoring points, like we have right now. Now, you might think that Ferrari are the obvious choice for my Imola loser, considering they completely botched what could have been an amazing home Grand Prix, and they are my loser. They are. F's in the chat, and the F stands for Ferrari. Ferrari may have had a bad weekend, but you'll never have a bad weekend when you wear bird dog shorts, baby. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is sponsored by Bird Dogs, who make the best shorts you will ever wear, I promise you. And right now, you can get a free Bird Dogs tumbler with your order when you use code FBONE, that's F-B-O-N-E, at checkout on birddogs.com. All spring and summer long, you know your boy J-Bone is in shorts-o mode, it's like sicko mode, but for Bird Dogs shorts, which are my shorts of choice because you can wear them while watching TV, working out, watching F1 playing sports, and even swimming. Bird dog shorts are the best because you can get them with built-in underwear that feels better on your skin than the finest cashmere and is also super breathable, doesn't bunch up like traditional underwear does, and is quick drying. I love to wear my bird dogs in summer because you're ready to jump into a pool at any time, as long as you remember, of course, to take your phone out of your pocket first. As far as the free tumbler goes, Bird Dogs found Yeti's $90 tumbler, copied it, and now Bird Dogs is giving it to you as a free gift with your order when you use code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, at birddogs.com. Go to birddogs.com right now, enter promo code FBONE, and they'll throw in that free tumbler with your order. You will not want to ever take your Bird Dogs off, I promise you. I never take mine off. I'm actually wearing Bird Dogs joggers right now, in case you were wondering. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to Bird Dogs for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Time for another call. Uh, do you think Carlos Sainz is uh, officially Ferrari's number two driver this season now? Yeah. I think it's safe to say that Carlos Sainz is now Ferrari's number two driver this season. After briefly moving up to second in the World Drivers' Championship after the Imola Sprint Race, Carlos Sainz finished the weekend in fifth place in the World Drivers' Championship. Can you believe that swing? It's a huge swing to go from the sprint race to the Grand Prix and go down three places in the World Drivers' Championship. That's what happens when you beach it on the first lap. Carlos has the yips right now, and until they're gone and he stops hanging out on the beach at various circuits, he'll basically be serving as Charles Leclerc's hype man going forward. The recent woes of Carlos Sainz are made even more wild 
When you consider the fact that through Saudi Arabia this year, Carlos Sainz was on a 31-race Grand Prix finishing streak, which is the fifth longest Grand Prix finishing streak of all time. However, Carlos Sainz has now completed just one lap in the last two Grand Prix combined. Sheesh! That is not the smooth operator, folks. That's the rough operator. Next call. J-Bone! This is Andy from Dallas. Um, calling because great GP this weekend, and I was wondering, you think Daniel Ricardo is falling off, or is he just taking more risks, putting himself in those bad positions, and that's why he's always wrecking, or in 15th? I just want your your outlook on the, the Daniel Ricardo situation, man. Um, once again, J-Bone, love the pods. Keep killing it. I think Daniel Ricardo is just getting started. Remember that this car is still relatively new to him, with him having missed out on Bahrain testing due to illness, so he's still learning the car. He secured his first points finish of the season, though, at his home Grand Prix in Australia, and sneakily, sneaky sneaky, like the guy from Mr. Deeds, Danny had his second points finish at Imola, by way of finishing P6 in the sprint race after a great equal P6 in qualifying. In my opinion, it was an unfortunate error on Daniel's part that led to him running into signs, but I think the wet conditions are to blame there more than Daniel Ricciardo himself. The stewards seem to agree with me on that, deeming it a racing incident and not Daniel Ricciardo's fault. If it were not for that incident, or as Charles Leclerc would say, incident, I think Daniel would have been in the points at Imola as well. So just a bit unlucky, as they say, but nothing to worry about, in my opinion. For anyone who thinks Daniel's left, he hasn't left. Just moved aside for a while. That is it for today's episode of the Formula Bone F1 show. If you enjoyed the show and want to help me out, I'd really appreciate it if you could toss me a subscription, like, comment, review, rating, or any other form of engagement on whatever platform you're on right now so that said platform likes me more. I also respond to pretty much every YouTube comment I get, and if you don't believe me, try it out. Also, share the podcast with a friend who you love to talk about F1 with so you have even more. F1 stuff to talk about with each other. For Formula One updates between now and my Miami Grand Prix preview podcast, you can follow me on all social media at Formula Bone and at my real name at J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. That's at Jared Borislow. Unfortunately, I could not lock down at J-Bone. Until next time, folks, J-Bone!